So we've had two weeks of the tour and we don't want to get too much into the tour like we say every week, but we always do. So let's get right <laughs> into it. We are seeing probably the most uh, story-driven Tour de France in years with everything that's going on. We had all those crashes, all those guys that have, have uh, not finished because of the rain. We've got down to Cavendish's needing two wins to break the record of Eddie Merckx. And um, he's now the competition is dwindling by the day. Peter Sagan bailed out the other day. Tim Merlier didn't make the cut. Arno DeMar didn't make the cut. Caleb Ewan crashed out. All of the people that we talked about in the very first week of the Tour de France being his main competitors. We didn't even really talk about Cavendish as a competitor because he wasn't even right. on the list. And now he's got, I don't want to say he's got a open door, but that door is as open as it can get. So I'd be really surprised that he doesn't break the record when at first I was like, this guy is not even going to win a stage. So quick thoughts on the last week of the tour. Crazy. Yeah. Exciting. That's, that stage with uh, Mount Ventoux, the two laps just the other day, what an incredible uh, ride for Wout. Uh, I was called Woot. Uh, but, but it's Wout Van Aert, I guess. But um, I always say his name wrong. But um, what, a, what a ride, you know. And these cyclocross guys uh, are just proving that they've got what it takes uh, to be there. And um, just like MVDP did at the first week of the tour and, uh, and then Wout on one of the toughest stages, uh, you know, that anybody would ever do, uh, just riding away from everybody. It was just awesome. Got a big engine. The kids, kids, uh, to to sprint the day before and only miss out a couple inches, losing the calf. To the next day, taking off in a break, and then holding that cadence all the way through the mountains, making some efforts. He timed it as good as you could time it. As far as like you know, he, he he's uh, it's been a lot of fun for me personally. I don't know if you guys have watched much cyclocross, but uh, about four years ago, five years ago, a friend of mine told me he goes, hey, you know, you can watch these these races on YouTube. It was before GCN was showing them. And yeah. uh, so I would go and just check it out. So I kind of got a little taste of who Matthew Vanderpool and about Van Art were. And I was like, damn, it's just always these two dudes. Mm-hmm. Is there anybody else racing? Now there is one guy and I don't want to get too cyclocross geeky on you, but uh, there's a guy named uh, Ellie Eisebert or something like that. And he is like the world champion when they don't race. All right. <laughs> so I always felt like I always felt bad for this kid because he like wins the World Cup points at the end of the year because he's yeah. there. He's a, he's committed to straight cyclocross and he's always top five or whatever. So he he accumulates crazy points. But then as soon as uh, Val Benard and Matthew Venerpol decide to jump back in, you see this dude like dropping the standings and and you know he doesn't win. I mean he still wins some, but like. It's like, you know, when he goes, he goes to the race, he's like, is Matthew and Val going to be here? Yes. He's not going to be here. <laughs> well, uh, he should maybe get an asterisk. No, I'm just kidding. The, the guy's obviously very well accomplished in his own right. But um, I, I was just thinking about Wout's, uh, those two days with Wout. I, I, I can never, I can't think of anyone else as long as I've been watching the tour that is a legit like was right there in a sprint stage and then the following 
even in the same tour would uh, would then dominate uh, an incredibly tough mountain stage. Uh, Bo, uh, Sean, do you guys recall any effort that could be considered similar to what we just watched this last week? Oh man, I don't know. I just, just like mind blowing watching him right away. I just caught up actually. I was behind like three or four stages. And then after yeah. my ride yesterday, I just like showered and made food and just laid down and like watched like a, I found some good like five to 10 minutes of highlights. And I was just like, man, when he like took off at first, I was like, oh, cool, man, he got a gap. And then he just like was gone. Right. The, he he just missed time that sprint. I mean, like I really believe he had more gas than Cav. Cav timed it perfectly hit to where he did, right at the fin. I mean, it was just like he was done at the finish line. Whereas Wout, if that thing had gone ten more feet, I mean, who knows what would have happened? But he was he closed in rapidly right at the finish. Uh, I felt like with no yeah, lead out, like, yeah, nobody. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, it's, it's so mind-boggling. Like um, it really enables, it like benefits the road cycling. In, in my experience, I haven't done a ton of cyclocross, but um, I'm one of those people that generates a lot of power from the saddle where I can wind it up as opposed mm-hmm. to standing and sprinting. I don't know how much power I can put out standing and sprinting, but um, when you're in the cyclocross, the way you're able to like generate power is completely different than on the road because you're usually right. in the saddle and coming out of turns, tight turns, you know? So yeah. that might have benefited it as opposed to somebody like kind of just standing up and going like this. And you're going to gas after a certain point when you're standing. You know? Yeah. Well, well when they, they made that transition, well, you know, first of all, uh, if you go back to pro, you go to the best place to find information uh, on all these guys' careers, and you want to do it in a quick shot is procyclingstats.com. And uh, you can go back to every year that they've raced and you go back to uh, wow. And Matthew Vanderpool's like seven years ago, they were getting introduced to European racing and getting the distances in and they were all finishing. There was no top tens. There was no top twenties. It was just base miles for pros as a young person. And so you could tell, you could see if you kind of go back now, you can kind of see that progression so it's not like these guys just came out of nowhere and they're kicking ass. They've been built up by these teams. I thought when, when I heard Matthew was finally like two years ago, was going to start doing pro races. I was like, how's he going to handle 200 K? You know how long yeah. these cyclocross races are like an hour, hour and a half with, yeah. big, with big efforts and stuff like that. And in multi, you know, sometimes the same and same day, there's multi efforts, uh, multi races, but um, I was like, how are they going to be able to handle that kind of distance? Well, they've been groomed eventually to do this. And the other thing is I thought that these teams were too small, except for when Wout got signed by Jumbo Visma. Uh, I was like, Alpes and Phoenix, seriously, like who's this? This team's not going to even get invited by anybody. And there's kids on that team that were cyclocross guys that don't get the love that Matthew Vanderpool does. But uh, Tim Merlier and that uh, guy, Zandro Maurice, that was in the mountains with Wout the other night, other day, there's a bunch yeah. of dudes that are, if you kind of start to click on those guys' names on that Alpes and Phoenix team, there's a bunch of guys that have based their majority of their career in cyclocross. So now uh, this is where I ask you guys is, is what you think about that form of cross training, um, in the winter time, because obviously they do it in the rainy season and probably like October through January, 
uh, do you think there's never any time off the bike? Now they love it. Let's just, they're, they're anomalies. They're, they're, those two dudes, they just want to ride bikes. They don't care. And I've got a quote that I posted the other day up by about that's about said after his career is over, he would love to come over to the United States and race cyclocross and race gravel. Uh oh, watch out, all you gravel <laughs> racers about that art coming and showing up at the dirty Kanza or, or any of those uh, those races. So he's uh, gonna ruin it for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> They're already doing that. I mean, the last like three years alone, yeah, gravel scenes turned into pro racing. Yeah, since 2018, totally like you know, 2018, it was like Taylor Finney showed up for fun at Grinduro, and he was just like chilling with everybody. Like I got to talk with him at the lunch spot, and it was just like, yeah. And then he announced his retirement the next day. You know, like yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. there's going to become a destination eventually as as it grows. So I wanted to race Kansas before all the pros hit it because I was like, that's like my chance to like go out and try to do good. And then <laughs> yeah. like, last year the pros hit it, and then this year it was stacked. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so do these go ahead, Mike. Go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say, you know, the um back to wow, you know, um I don't think anybody's surprised that a cyclocross racer is there in a sprint stage. Because like to Remy's point, you know, they generate power, they have this ability, this burst. Uh that's that's cyclocross racing, really. You go, right. you know, it, it, into a tight corner and you burst out of the corner. You, right. Into Class- the next tight corner, you right. burst out of it. It's, it's just classic sprint training. Right. But, um, but the fact, but then doing 200 K and 200 K with, uh, or, you know, thereabouts with 15,000 feet of elevation. I mean, yeah, that's the thing that just blew me away from, you know, the all out sprint, which is not that, that surprising from my perspective, but then to follow it up the next day with that, that stage win in such a dominant fashion, Yes, yeah, just not something you'd expect from from somebody so young with you know um, with that background. Yeah, and you if you again, it's it's that grooming process. Uh, you know, yeah. can, can you change? And this would be a great topic for somebody that's like a physiologist or uh, somebody that's their a real way into that's their their field of expertise. Is can you change your body uh, to be? something that you haven't been most of your career i mean where where is that possibility because he is a like they said i don't know if you saw him at standing at the at when he won the stage he stands up on his pedals yeah he stood up on his pedal and then put it up and he looked like a big old huge monster and you're like that ain't no little five foot one hundred and twenty pounder so he's 170 (laughs) pounds six foot something 170 so what do you guys think about as far as like the, the whole, uh, is, this is going to be an ongoing thing about uh, performances. Do you think at some point during cycling, it's, are we going to get to a point where nobody is just, as soon as anybody does something good, they're just straight to like, what drugs are you on? You know? Uh, I started thinking that just a little bit, just because of how like insane the tour has been. Like once I started, I heard about it and I was behind a few days, started watching like, all the guys attacking and stuff and watching some of the guys right away, like effortlessly, I was like, shit, we're going to have another wave of people talking. But I also, you have to take a look at like, this is probably a year where we've had the most young people in the tour. And so they just want to go out and they want to go for it. They're, you know, 
they're not being disrespectful, but it's not like in the past where it was like, oh, you know, like I'm the man here. Like I'm the president, like I'm staying in the front and nobody would go around because they're afraid of ending their career, you know, or whatever was going on. And I think people are just kind of trying to go out and like be free and race it like on their terms, which yeah, is like a way more exciting sport, to be honest. 